Impact of Influence, The Murdoch Family Murders. This is the unfolding story of a powerful South Carolina family, the mysterious deaths they are linked to, and our quest to bring you the truth. Hello, friend. So grateful that you're going to spend some time with us today. I am Matt Harris. Seton Tucker is on vacation. And our legal analyst, former prosecutor, and former defense attorney, John Snyder, is with us in studio. Hi, John. Hello. Hello, hello, hello. If you want to reach out to us all, you can uh, do it. Just get to MurdochPodcast.com or MurdochPodcast.com. On Facebook, always love to hear what you have to say and your thoughts. It also goes directly to me, Matt Harris Podcast at gmail.com. Lots of Russell Lafitte stuff to talk about today. A lot of things cranking up with the Lafitte issue, and maybe some more names are going to fall. It's a new lawsuit naming other attorneys that's all tied to this. And we will get to it all, but we have to start out with. What is uh, happening as we sit down here to record this podcast is that a trial date has been set for Alec Murdoch. The double murder trial will begin January 30th in Collin County before Judge Clifton Newman. And Clifton Newman has been overseeing a lot of the Murdoch things that have happened over the last year and more. And they say he's a no-nonsense kind of judge. And the trial is expected to last about three weeks. All right, uh, John Snyder, first off, both sides have wanted to be a speedy trial. They thought before December, but that was really unlikely. So January 30th seems like a reasonable date that we would have guessed. I think it's reasonable. It is still quick. But it feels quick only because it's quick from indictment to trial date. They took a whole year of investigation. So in that regard, it's really been almost a year and a half to come from the date of the crime all the way to a trial. That's well done work by the state. So many times the indictment to trial will be longer? Much longer. This oh, really? It's a, I mean, in a... First degree murder case or capital murder case, it can take years. And so this wow. is this is rather quick. The defense will say it speaks to the lack of the state's case. And so they're just trying to go ahead with it. Uh, the state will, and I think it's probably more accurate, will say that's the strength of our evidence. is so clear and convincing and beyond a reasonable doubt, we're ready to go. So they, they feel by the... Span of time between the indictment and the trial would lead you to believe that the state doesn't feel like they need a lot of investigation to be done now. They feel like they've got most of their case. I think, uh, yeah, it feels like in this particular case, case, they did all the work up front pre-indictment. And so now they've got everything they need to move forward and they're not objecting to this trial date. They're not that, you know, we haven't heard anything about a motion to continue. They're ready to go. So what'll be interesting now is to see whether the defense really is ready to go. Because they could have been playing a PR game. And now they say all of a sudden, you know what? That's pretty fast. We just got these things. We just got this. That'll be the story if they need that. Yes. Cases only get better for defendants over time. 
Right. So, you know, witnesses die, evidence gets lost, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. A quick case like this, I would argue, speaks to the weight of the evidence that the state has in, in favor of a conviction. Uh, also, I saw that there's three weeks marked out. I didn't know that when a trial started, the circuit or whoever tries to decide how long it's going to be. You talk to both sides. You, you ask defense counsel how long they think their evidence will take. You ask the state how long you think their evidence will take. Jury selection in this case, my guess will be at least a week. You're going to have to cull through a lot of people from Culleton County that don't have knowledge or relationship. And so that that jury selection may be the longest part of this jury trial. Do you think the trial will be televised? I think the trial should be televised based on the nature of the of the parties involved. Mm-hmm. I think it I think it's in the public's interest that it should be. But that is 100% discretionary to the judge. This popped in my mind just now. The fact that it went from indictment to uh trial relatively quickly, other times you say there's a long 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 delay is is sometimes the fact that the indictment happens and there's delay because the state just wants whoever it is off the street. And in this case, they didn't necessarily have to rush for Alex's indictment because he was already behind bars and wasn't going anywhere. Does that come into play with how quickly they do an indictment? I think because of his profession, because of the position he had locally, I think the state was a little more circumspect in pulling the trigger on the indictment till they had all their evidence lined up. So they could wait the little over a year since the crime, and we don't even know if it was day one that they were putting a case together. That's right. And so meanwhile, in in other murder cases, you can arrest on probable cause and go Mm -hmm. through that. I I think they did not want to have any air in their case between accusation and evidence. And it gave them a little leeway with the fact that he was behind bars. They knew where he was. He wasn't going anywhere. Because if he hadn't been on behind bars for all the gazillion charges, 90 charges, $8.8 million in uh, stealing money, people might have said, why did you let him walk around all this time when you thought he murdered his wife and kid? That's exactly right. If, if the only crime that he was accused of was the murder they would have arrested him sooner because it would look bad it, it, well it, it, public safety I mean, yeah, public safety yeah too, I mean, right that's right. And, and that's what they do in every other murder case okay here he was already in custody he was already being investigated criminally for other matters and bond was set at an appropriate amount uh after a lot of litigation so it, it made sense so now let's move to the latest Alec Murdoch lawsuit where two more Hampton attorneys have been named. I don't think anybody is surprised that more names will be coming up as this continues. Russell Lafitte, of course, is being charged federally, which Alec is not as of yet. And this latest civil suit now engulfs these attorneys at uh, Peters, Murdoch, Parker, Ellsroth, and Dietrich, which was PMPED, but 
that name is no longer. And Michael DeWitt in the Greenville News wrote a really great article about it. The lawsuit was filed October 7th on behalf of Manuel Santiz Cristiani. He's a citizen and resident of Mexico and a former client of Murdoch. And again, it was one of those deals where there was settlement, it alleges, the settlement never got to the person who should receive it. That's the crux of the lawsuit. John Snyder, you've looked at the paperwork. What does it say? What's going on here? So basically, you've nailed the allegations. This guy was driving down I-95. His tire blew out, and there were some serious injuries as a result of the of the blowout and car, the car wreck and all that. I'm going to mention that was in 2008. Okay. 2008. So in 2013, a settlement was reached between the plaintiff and the defendant, which included an automobile manufacturer, a tire manufacturer, and whoever else was, was named in the lawsuit. What happened next is they settled, and apparently there was a payout to the defend, to the plaintiff. And now, in 2022, the plaintiff is saying, I had no idea. I mm-hmm. didn't authorize the settlement. I didn't I wasn't aware of the dismissal and I certainly wasn't aware of the money being paid. And so they've asked for an accounting. Uh they want to know what came in, when and where it went. Mm-hmm. They've asked for they they've accused the law firm and others of basically fraud, mm-hmm. uh conversion, which is taking something that belongs to another person and converting it to your own use. And they have taken, um, they, you know, they've named the lawyers that were, were on the case mm-hmm. as well as the law firm, uh, alleging negligent supervision. And they deposited the funds in Palmetto State Bank, where Russell Lafitte served as conservator of the funds. <laughs> right. So he's so, up again in this thing. So, and, and just as we've, we've said a long time ago, these cases are just going to keep rolling in mm-hmm. any anyone that ever had that law firm represent them in a personal injury case or, or a civil case is going to either bring a lawsuit and if they don't they should absolutely check the records to make sure that the, the numbers add up murdoch of course is named and crosby and barnes are the other two attorneys named and crosby is saying He's coming out swinging, saying this is ridiculous. Um, his name's Ronnie Crosby. He's a partner and shareholder at the former PMPD. William Barnes III, a former attorney at the former PMPED. And both of them are saying this is, is a bunch of garbage. Barnes says, I was aware of this lawsuit. Any allegation of wrongdoing on my part is false. The trust of this community is something I've worked hard to earn during my career as a lawyer and intend to defend my reputation. Crosby said any allegation in his in the lawsuit that it anything improper or false, and the plaintiff and his attorneys know any such claim is false. I call upon them to immediately dismiss me from this lawsuit. And the attorneys are Orangeburg attorneys. And I would imagine, as you said, more and more of these are going to be rolling out. There are attorneys, I would imagine, searching through every nook and cranny, every civil case, any any anything that went through that law firm, right? 
Absolutely. And for just cause. And, yes. And the other two attorneys that are named in the lawsuit that aren't Alex, they may have been associates at the time. They may have just been doing their job as baby lawyers in filing a lawsuit. So it is possible that if there's three names on some sort of civil lawsuit or a settlement, two of those people might have been doing paperwork or might have been filing things. Like they aren't completely aware. They're not in the settlement part of it. They're not. It's in possible. The, they're not in the, in the, as they say in Hamilton, they're not in the room, right? They're, okay. They are drafting things, handing it to their boss, who mm-hmm. would have been Alec, and then he is going to negotiate things. So, okay. so their name's on there because they're, they, are, they are appearing in the case. And that doesn't, that doesn't take them off the hook necessarily. But like, let's say the settlement was reached after Barnes left the law firm. Just because his name was on a pleading doesn't mean he had anything to do with the, the conversion or okay. the, the dismissing a case without the knowledge of the, of the plaintiff. So the injury was in 08. And then uh, PMP ED attorneys filed the products liability suit on the tw- on 2011, and then 2013 the attorneys negotiated a settlement. Now, when they say the attorneys negotiated a settlement, you're saying it's possible that the other two guys weren't part of the negotiation. That's right. Their names appear on be, the pleading. Yeah. It, right. So, so giving those guys the benefit of the doubt, their name appeared on the pleadings, but that may have been as much as their involvement might be, and and that would be typical in a law firm. Where the you know the young lawyers draft things, their name goes on. They might get to come to court with their boss. They might get to argue a motion. Mm-hmm. But most of the most of the senior work's done by the senior lawyer. And if you were going to rip somebody off allegedly, you might want to pick some guy who lives in Mexico and easily could be unaware of settlements or it just, it just kind of goes away in his head. He's doing whatever he's doing. Alex is saying, yeah, we're seeing a trend of, of, of victims who are either, you know, they, they suffer from a medical condition. They suffer from a mental condition or they're non-residents in the, in the area. Easier ones to fly under the radar and solve and settle and then put in the bank. And he's, and so if this is true that there was a settlement and Lafitte is the, um, what do they call it, the conservator, he has a responsibility to hunt down the person the money's for, right? He does. And, and you, you, would, you would try to do everything to contact them. And then in the event you couldn't find them, eventually you would, you would turn the money over to the state and it would go into a, a sheets. Like, it, okay. it, like there's a process for this to be handled. That was not followed in this case, right. and it's it's similar to like very early on we talked about the 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 trooper who was in Trooper Moore, yeah. He was represented by the firm and now has turned around and and sued. Yeah, where's my <laughs> money, man? So this will go to uh, civil for now. It's a crime, right? Or I mean, oh yeah, I mean yeah, it's it's a let and 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 crimes crimes are alleged through. The civil conspiracy mm-hmm. claim that's in there, and and ultimately, law enforcement will look at that and be like, "Okay, well, here's, here's another you know, one. Here's indictment five hundred and ninety eight. And listen, I'm not saying that there's not a lot of people who are involved with this, and there's not a lot of potential corruption there. But I also talked to an attorney from our area we live 
but knows a bunch of people down there. And they're all kind of worried that they will get pulled into this, even though they didn't do anything nefarious or you're just by association. Like it's potentially, like you said, these guys might not have known about that. So there's a lot of people whose names could be dragged around here in the next few months, years. Well, if they were, if they associated that firm on a lawsuit, so let's say that you're, you live in Fort Mill and you're driving down to Fripp Island and you're in an automobile accident. Mm-hmm. You may ask your, your buddy that you that does your other legal work in Fort Mill to represent you. Well, mm-hmm. a, a smart attorney is going to find local counsel. And so there's all those cases. Oh, I got where, you. Where people associated their law firm. You got to remember, prior to the fall, he was the head of the Trial Lawyers Association. So Alec was. Alec was. So he handled cases for all kinds of attorneys. Wow. Uh, especially if, the, if there was any jurisdictional opportunity for him down, down in the low country. And so... It, it is a valid concern for those other lawyers to be like, oh, dear Lord, I hope that we, our accounting matches up. And that, right. That, that what was actually settled was paid. Because his reputation at that point, he said the head of the trial, it was good. Sterling. Yeah, Sterling. I mean, that's, that's, he's, if you got in an accident down that way or, your, or one of your clients did or a referral did, that's who you would call. I see, I see. Influencer. It's a word that gets tossed around a lot these days. There is a woman who went the distance, who broke ground as the first true influencer by living a remarkable life. Her name, Elizabeth Taylor. I'm Katy Perry. This is the story of the original influencer. This is Elizabeth the First. Elizabeth the First, the podcast, wherever you listen. Uh, let's move to sort of move. It's all kind of involved in the same thing, but Russell Lafitte and his attorneys, uh, have said, by the way, take a little break and uh, get you ready for some traveling you've got coming up some international trip where you want to be able to at least get around. Right. So you want to learn the language of the country that you're going to, you want to experience it with a little bit of knowledge going in. And you can get a lot of bit of knowledge when you use Rosetta Stone. It's the most trusted language learning program. It's available on desktop. It can also be used as an app on your phone or tablet. And Rosetta Stone teaches through immersion. It's instead of memorizing and drilling vocabulary words, you learn by matching audio from native speakers to visuals. You read stories. You participate in dialogues. So you are ready to go. It's the most trusted, time-tested app out there. They've been the expert in language learning for 30 years. Buy Rosetta Stone now and you never have to pay a renewal fee. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Impact of Influence listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 40% off. That's 40% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 40% off at rosettastone.com backslash today. He's the accomplice, Michael DeWitt, another great story about this. He's the accomplice of Alec Murdoch, but he has this federal, these federal charges. And so there's all these pretrial motions in state and federal courts 
uh, to dismiss criminal charges, a motion to give Lafitte's wife half of his frozen assets is what I want to figure out what's going on. That doesn't seem like something someone charged with a crime can do, but explain to me what's happening here. So obviously the wife had a particular standard of living that now being under house arrest can't be met. And a, a number of their things are, are frozen and are under the control of a of the courts. And so the wife may be saying, Hey, I didn't have anything to do with this. The amount that's frozen doesn't come anywhere near the amount that's alleged to have been converted or taken by Lafitte. And so she wants to get her portion out of the, of being frozen. Okay. Cause like they sold their family home in Varnville netting 317,000 for the legal trust account. And so she doesn't want, she's not motion, not making a motion to get all of it. Right. She's making a motion to get it. I, I believe a little more than half of some of these purchases and sales they've had. Am I, so it's not the whole thing. It's not the whole thing. And it, and it may be that these are the fruits of her own labor. And because she happened to put them in a bank account with Russell, she can't access them anymore. Well, like in the house uh, uh, sale, her name was on it and his name was on it. Right. So they're saying that 50% should be released hers. to her. That's exactly right. Okay. Now, how do you think that will play out? Uh, I think if the source of funds, so the court will go back and look at, well, how did you all pay for this? Okay. Did you, did you pay for it? You know, was a down payment come from your savings account and you put 10,000 down and you got a mortgage, that kind of thing. Or did, you know, was there suddenly $300,000 deposited into your bank account? And as a result of that 300,000, you bought the house. Okay. So I think that People may have seen the headline. They talk word spreads that he's going to give his assets, like all his assets, but it's the house sale mainly that they're talking about. And uh, the counter motion says that uh, the law says that the uninvolved spouse should not receive a windfall at the expense of the victim where community assets were acquired with funds that were stolen from the victim. So that's what they're going to hunt down, right? Did you buy this with stolen funds? Yeah, I mean, so the ultimate contention is She's coming in to say this thing here or this half of what's what's out there has nothing to do with with the funny business that my husband's accused of being involved in. Now, what the AG's office, I believe, is saying is we shouldn't decide any of this stuff till we do the whole Lafitte trial. That's their thought. That, that's right. Again, understandable on both sides I where, see, yeah. where the, where the state says, Hey, we have a victim. The purpose of the criminal justice system is to make people whole. And so if we can't, if, if you take money out and it turns out that the money you took out was needed to make people whole, you should, we shouldn't, you shouldn't have that money. Right. All right. And by the way, uh, Lafitte's out on a million dollar bond location monitoring restricts him to Hampton and Allendale counties, unless you go to court in Charleston or wherever that may be. Now let's move to Will's story in Fitz News about possibly being some tapes out there that Russell Lafitte made, and there was an emergency hearing on it on October 6th. And we'll never know what was in that hearing, I'm sure, John. That's a closed kind of deal, right? 
But the hearing is allegedly about this tape or evidence requested by Trenum Walker, an attorney who represents Palmetto State Bank. And that's where, of course, Lafitte was and the family business sort of was. And there might be a tape or some sort of evidence, but they're saying audio recording, in which multiple PSB leaders, this is from the Fitch News story, are rumored to be implicated in some of the criminal conduct of which Lafitte stands accused. And if that's the case, Palmetto State Bank is going to do everything they can to make sure that tape doesn't see the light of day, correct? And what will they, how will they, let's say it does exist, what would be their pitch that this shouldn't see light? So what it'll be is it could be minutes. A board meeting was recorded by Lafitte, and in it, he says, hey, we have this line of credit outstanding for Murdoch. Do you guys want to call it due? And they took a vote and they all said, no, he's, you know, we like him. We like his dad. We liked his granddad. So let's just let this one ride. Well, all of a sudden now it's not Lafitte who's engaged in this criminal Mm -hmm. conspiracy. It's just poor banking management. And so that is why both, Palmetto would prefer it not to get out because then the bank's on the hook sure. for, for these issues. It may be more a clearer record of what the bank did or didn't know mm-hmm. and that it wasn't that Lafitte was actually doing what the board directed him to do as opposed to him being engaged in nefarious dealings but they, would they have a leg to stand on is there some sort of privacy thing that i, I wouldn't think right unless there's a attorney is there could there be an attorney in the room and they're like no we were just talking with our attorney i think it would be disclosed and then obviously i think if you know once you get in the habit of recording things he's probably recording the conversation he has with alec he's recording conversations he has had with other people mm-hmm. to be like, well, I'm not sure how this is going, but I'm going to make sure that I have a record on my way out. I mean, it would indicate a idea of what he was doing was wrong if he's recording things and he doesn't normally record them, right? I mean, that would, uh, yeah, why else you record? You don't normally record it. Now you start recording things and you keep it. To me, that says, well, I knew something was fishy. Not, not unless you are, let's say you work at the bank and the the board is starting to ask you to do things you're like i'm not sure about that and the and and the board's like no you go ahead and do it yeah. we authorize you to do it that's what i mean he you only record it if you think let's assume he doesn't record every single one in the history you only record it if you think you might need this that's exactly right you it's it's an act of self-preservation and so the question is what 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 was going on that made him think he needed self-preservation and uh, in the Will article, Will Fox article, um, it says, Lafitte knows that someone who is dropping dimes on him is guilty of conduct every bit as bad as what he has been accused of doing, perhaps worse. Sure, that the deposition was taken in 2022, February 2022, and he, he did make comments about other people that worked there and whatnot, and he's working with the feds right now, and 
the a lot of the decisions Russell Lafitte made might have had to get approval, right? It would some of these would you it's possible that somebody signed off on giving Alec money or at a rate, at a certain rate. The, Russell's not the only person at the bank who knew that money was either owed or being spent in a manner that wasn't consistent with how you or I would would get money at a bank. It's very possible that that business had been done that way for 50 years or whatever. It's like they're the, the PMBPD, that's like Murdoch, they're the Murdochs. We give them this rate because we know they, they're good with it. We're a small bank. We need his... The deposits. We need the deposits. Right. And would it go something like this? Could Alex say, hi, I need $100,000, but you know me, I always got another settlement coming down the pipe. So just, you know, you know how long those things take. Just give me a hundred grand. Is that, could that be like a conversation? That would be exactly the conversation. And, and if they are holding the funds in a trust fund, they're sitting anytime on maybe $20 million plus. Mm. And so loaning out a hundred when their deposit rate for a small bank Mm -hmm. is so high it makes sense and it could be, Hey, this is how you loan money to my granddad. This is how you right. loan money to my dad. I'm Alec. I'm number three. You should loan money to me in the same way. And now when we're having this discussion, I want to point out, doesn't mean we think that's okay. I'm just saying this is how the game played and maybe played around. I probably played around the country like that. It's, <laughs> it was the cut. It, well, it's, it definitely should not be. <laughs> yes. And, it should not be. Yeah. The FDIC is, pretty particular about how money's goes out. They're also really particular about lending practices being uniform so that, that one group isn't being treated differently yeah. than you shouldn't get a group. different rate based on your last name. That kind of That's thing. That's right. I mean, your credit score, you get a different rate maybe, right. but not I'm a Murdoch. You get special treatment based on objective criteria, not on who you are. Right. And it also becomes clear as we start seeing more and more of these cases come up, that this has possibly been going on for certainly 15 years at the minimum with Alec. One of the cases settled was like 08 or something like that. So it's been a long time. You'd think a responsible bank might start to go like, what's the deal in this? <laughs> There's like things coming in and out. Well, in a, like in a conservatorship for a 16-year-old, $200,000 goes out that should immediately ring a bell to be like, okay, on these accounts, it should be for living expense. Mm -hmm. So what living expense does a 16-year-old have that would require $200,000? And so so that would be the kind of thing, a smaller bank, they might have a meeting to say, okay, out of this conservatorship, um, the, the conservator has asked for money to buy a house. Okay, well then that that expenditure makes sense, but not having any check or balance on that um, could be the fault of the bank. PMPD with with Alec Murdoch and Russell Lafitte at the bank. There's one of two things going on on each case: either very very poor checks and balances mm-hmm. that people are just, or well, I guess there's three things: one, very very poor checks and balances; two. People just look the other way and like, eh, I don't even, let's, you know, I know there's some things, but it's not that bad. Or three, 
a total and 100% acknowledgement and, and knowledge what was going on. That Those are the kind of the three things. That's right. And then if they had actual knowledge, what were, were they receiving a benefit? Were there, were there side payments? Were other officers of the bank doing business with Alec that, that made them want to approve his loans? Like, oh, cool. Yeah. Right. I mean, there's just the tentacles, the tentacles. And, and again, what this case has proven is who knows? They're, right. Like we've, we still have yet to reach the bottom because now we're seeing lawsuits about people that are visiting our country getting ripped off. Right. <laughs> so right. like, right. Like, what, what wouldn't they do along the way? I don't even know if you know the answer to this, but how hard is it to comb through every PMPD, every Alec Murdoch civil suit or criminal case? How hard is that to comb through? Uh, it, it depends on the on the number, but it's 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 very possible, and and we haven't even begun to get to any of the criminal right. cases that were brought and prosecuted by Alec. If that's I would, a great point. If I was in if I was in prison in South Carolina because he was the prosecutor, mm-hmm. I would be filing a motion for appropriate relief to to revisit my case because the prosecutor may have not been the most scrupulous one dealing in the in this case. Well, and you also have if you're the person who was sent to jail by Alec, you might have been sent to jail by what they claim to be an addict. Right. Right. Or if, or I think he defended some people. I know he defended some people too. Right. So if he lost those cases, then you got a motion for, you got, yeah, ineffective assistance of counsel claim. I mean, it's just any case file that he ever touched is open to examination and, and the potential for a lawsuit. How long do you think it would, would take? Let's, for people who were prosecuted by him, say, why haven't we heard anything about that? Is, is that a really strenuous case? Do, does an attorney have to do it? Can the guy in prison do it? Uh, you you would need you would need to file a motion, and it and it may be that all he, even though he was a he was an honorary or an auxiliary right. prosecutor, so he may have only sat in traffic court right, right. once once a month. And, you know, and he might've been colon the traffic court stuff for automobile accidents. So he's, he's there, you know, he's there getting an update on, on potential people to reach out to, to represent in personal injury cases. So yes, as as the, you know, volunteer prosecutor plus his dad and granddad or whatever, you're right. They, they get knowledge of accidents pretty quickly. Correct. And so that flyer's in the mailbox, <laughs> plus they know everybody in the area. And they can reach out directly and say, I've actually already talked to the person that hit you. They're willing to agree, you know, they're willing to instruct their insurance company to pay you policy limits. Gosh, this thing, this thing is, is insane. The amount of, of, I keep saying tentacles that go out and the number of attorneys who m- right now are like combing through settlements, uh, people who were in jail. It, it just, it, it's going to be a lot. Well, you, you've got all the billboard lawyers and then you've got, everybody is out looking to figure out where a big payoff is. And the insurance company for this law firm has got to just be 
you know, freaking the, out. <laughs> what, you know, how do they gauge what their losses are going to be based on this guy's behavior? And at what point do they stop doing payouts to all these these clients? Yeah. Of the at, point, at one point, they may just go, "I'm broke. I got nothing." Yeah. What? I don't even know. This is a thing. Do the companies that paid out, I don't know, State Farm Insurance or somebody, do they have any care to even go find out any of this stuff, or do they? What are they? Are they going to be involved ever? An insurance company? Like, I, oh yeah, wait, wait a minute. And insurance. I mentioned it. I none of the guy, insurance yeah. companies are are, are going to be parties to fraudulent payouts. I mean, that's. No, they're not yeah. part of it. But I'm saying they're going to start digging into oh, it. I think I think the I think the insurer of the lawyers and the law firm are absolutely they are they are tracing cases as we speak for sure to be like okay they've reached out to State Farm to say okay in all the automobile claims that you guys had how many of them in Colson County were paid to this law firm okay so okay. they're going to get ahead of it. Absolutely. It's not the law firm doing it. It is the law firm's insurance company doing it's it. It's everybody. Everybody. Everybody is trying to figure out what the bottom is. And okay. we have not reached it yet, in my opinion. All right. And so, they, and they want to know where the bottom is because that can make their plan. And then they don't you, want surprises at this point. They don't want surprises. That's exactly right. And and right now, all we get are surprises. Correct. Cool having you in studio, yeah, John. Yeah, man. Thanks for having that was me. That's very cool. Uh, you reach out to us, uh, Murdoch Podcast, Facebook, MurdochPodcast.com. And Matt Harris podcast at gmail.com. Seton will be back next week. And as always, so grateful that you were hanging with us. Join Hala Taha for actionable advice from the brightest minds in the world on the Young and Profiting Podcast. Author and academic Arthur Brooks on what success isn't. The husband was confessing to his wife that he might as well be dead. And I'm thinking, whoa, what's wrong with this guy? I turn around to get a look and it turns out to be one of the most famous men in the world. The world tells you that if you are profiting, money, power, pleasure, fame, you're going to be happy. And that's a bogus formula. The Young and Profiting Podcast, wherever you listen. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. <sighs> I'm an American vigilante. I have a question for you. What would you do if someone you cared about was abducted, taken from you? Would you call me? Would you care about how I got them back? Download. American Vigilante, now.